You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi, and welcome to The Compass, the podcast documenting the struggles of life as an artist. I'm Leah Walsh. Today, my guest is Alana Jacoby. Alana is the amazing lighting designer on The Tower, the production that I'm acting in right now, which closes this weekend. She is incredible, and I'm so excited that she agreed to chat with me on the podcast, um, because actually, outside of the show, we don't really know each other that well, and I'm such a fan of her work. She is also a musical theater lyric and book writer, so we talk about that. A quick aside before we begin, if you have a moment and you like the podcast, please go to iTunes and give The Compass a rating. It would be so helpful in making it more visible when someone is searching for it. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoy the 16th episode of The Compass. to hear any of the podcasts or not, but I usually just start right away by asking, what is the dark side for you as an artist, and how do you try to keep yourself from going there? Absolutely. Um, As an artist, and especially as a freelancer, there are gaps in my schedule, and there are times when I'm keeping busy and have lots of work and making lots of art and feeling great, and then suddenly I'll just have two weeks where there's nothing going on and kind of fall into a void of, you know, boredom and self-hatred and all of those, <laughs> all of those things. So for me, I, I try to just keep, keep as busy as I can. Um, I work, I have a bunch of different jobs that I've kind of cobbled together into somewhat of a career. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them are lighting related when I'm not designing a show or assisting on a show. I work as a stagehand and electrician and get to be in theaters putting other people's shows up. And so, yeah, just trying to trying to fill the time, really, because it's just when when I'm working, even if it's not a project of mine or something that I'm particularly invested in, most of the time, as long as I'm busy, I feel OK. Yeah. And it only gets dark when when the <laughs> idle the idle on. hands happen. Yeah. <laughs> so what is that what is that like? Do you have other day jobs as well that are not lighting related or have you really been able to make it um, a I, central thing? I I do sound work as well, mm-hmm. similar. Um, my That's... boyfriend Sam is is a sound designer mm-hmm. and so when I was uh, first getting into this work and having trouble filling my schedule, he, you know, threw me a few sound calls and I don't know what these cables are called, but that's okay. You just tie Pick them up, up the same extra. way lighting cables work. Um, so lighting and sound, stagehand work keep me busy most mm. of the time. Um, that's great. I also that, work, oh, that's great that you can keep it kind of at least in the field. Yeah, yeah. Instead of the dreaded restaurant job or whatever. Um, I work as a teaching artist for the Roundabout Theater Company as well. Oh, great. So I go into schools and mostly help kids and teachers with the lighting design for their school plays. Oh, neat. um, Which is a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I haven't haven't had a non-theater-related job since I moved to the city. That's fantastic. Which is great. When did you move to the city? I came here in September 2009 to start grad school Mm -hmm. and stuck around afterwards. 
And so you went to grad school for musical theater writing, right? Yes. Which I, we were just saying before we started recording, like I don't know that side of your life because I only encounter you yeah, when you're my, my doing crazy lighting designs for the tower. Secret <laughs> alter ego. Um, so how did you like being in grad school? It was wonderful. I It felt like I was doing something that I was meant to be doing and good at and confident about kind mm-hmm. of for the first time. I... Um, I majored in playwriting in college and loved it, but felt a little bit like I was only doing that because it was the only thing I knew how to do. Mm -hmm. Um, I, you know, I played around with a bunch of different majors, and I think by the end of my sophomore year, I'd taken 16 classes in 13 different departments and (laughs) had to declare a concentration and went with playwriting because, oh, I've taken two of those classes (laughs) instead of just one. Um... And it was something I always enjoyed doing, but I never, uh, I never really felt a hundred percent comfortable in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but my senior year, a an alum from my college who had s- since gone to the musical theater writing program at NYU came back to teach uh, a sort of truncated version of that whole program in a semester. And we got paired up with a different person every week and wrote a song, and mm-hmm. it just felt right and wonderful and you know oh this is this is maybe what I should be doing so I looked into the program and applied for the next year and that was that and so were you already doing lighting design before you went into that yeah I started doing lighting design at a summer camp where I went as a camper as a kid and Mm -hmm. still work it's where (laughs) Sam and I met okay when I was 11 and uh wait you met when you were 11 yeah what yeah okay I was 11 and he was my counselor (laughs) that's amazing and we started dating 10 years later wow and you guys still go back there and do stuff in the summer? Yep, I still teach lighting design there, and he's the production manager of the... It's a performing and visual right. arts camp, and so <laughs> he uh, he runs the performing arts side of it. I see. So, technically my boss for two months <laughs> of the year. <laughs> but I started out acting there, mm. and uh, as a kid, I... I liked acting because I knew I loved theater and I think you know when you're when you're young you think that that's what it is that's the only thing and I didn't realize there was anything you know behind the scenes Mm -hmm. um but once I got a little older there's sort of not a lot of upward mobility for the performers at the camp if you want to keep working there there aren't dedicated you know acting counselors or anything like that there are directors but that was Right. Certainly not not in my wheelhouse. Um, so I became a stage manager so that uh-huh. I could stay on for a few more summers. And I enjoyed that. That kind of opened my eyes to, to all of the other departments and all the other stagecraft magic that goes on. And lighting design was the one that, that kind of piqued my interest most. So I hung around with the lighting counselors and just started picking up things here and there and ended up going to college with a friend of mine who was a lighting designer at the camp. And so I started assisting him on shows that he was designing and then started designing on my own. That's cool. So you, bo- you basically like picked it up just through practical experience. Yeah. yeah, I never studied it formally at all. Mm. I took one lighting design class in college 
um, that was that was kind of all they offered. There was yeah. there was not really a technical theater degree or a design program when I was this there. This was at Brown? At or? Brown, yeah. Mm. And they um, kind of right around the time I was graduating, they started putting that program together mm. and developing it, but there was, there was nothing official when I was there. Um, but I was very involved in a student theater group called Production Workshop, PW, mm-hmm. which is where I met. Adam and Dan and I see that whole group (laughs) um and my senior year at Brown I designed the lighting for a show that Dan directed and in the spring designed the lighting for a show that Adam directed and you know by the time we graduated I kind of had the sense that these were people I wanted to keep making theater with for a while so when they founded Antimatter Made me very happy. <laughs> and have you worked on all their shows since they started uh, the company? Nearly all of them. I worked on Death Valley, which was their first show, the summer of 2011, which was conveniently right after I had finished grad school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Adam's next show, Motherboard, I worked on at the Secret Theater. And I think I think they did a few other things in between, but but their full-scale productions right. I've been involved with. It's been so interesting for me to be involved with The Tower since Phil started workshopping it with Adam like two years ago. Yeah. And um, it was amazing for me to see when we did kind of the bare bones version last year at Standard Toycraft to see you cut and paste a lighting system in this weird <laughs> this weird warehouse that had like two electrical plugs and yep. <laughs> absolutely no theater fixtures and all this stuff and then now doing it at here um and unfortunately when when the podcast airs tomorrow we'll only have two shows left but uh there's you know actual equipment and it's still not like a huge theater but, sure, but a big step they up. do use lighting equipment yes, on the regular <laughs> bring light bulbs from my apartment and run the show off an iphone yes so that amazed good, me <laughs> that was um yeah i have four lifex color changing led bulbs that are mostly designed for household use and a friend of mine uh wrote an app to control them which is I think a lot, a lot cooler than the app that, uh, that it comes with. Um, but his app is called Lightbow and you can create presets and basically lighting cues. You know, it's not called that in the application, but I looked at it and said, (laughs) Oh, like you could design a show doing this. Um, so I actually talked to Peter who created that app a lot and we figured out, you know, a way to to kind of make that possible. So our poor stage manager like once, had... Was that like a once-in-a-lifetime experience, or have you kind of had to do that with a no, lot of No, that, that was the shows. one and only time. <laughs> Hopefully never again. Yeah. Um, it worked. It worked out fine, but I had no light bulbs in my apartment for the run of the show. <laughs> um, How has that been as a designer to kind of be able to be attached to this project and see it through to this new place where... It's been so wonderful. Realized. I've worked... Aside from antimatter, I've worked with Phil on a bunch of shows as well, and he's so delightful. We have, he is so delightful. We lived <laughs> together for a while, oh. for about two years, um, and every tiny fringe show we did, every standard toy craft show, you know, non-theater spaces, he'd say, "Okay, someday, someday, I'm gonna give you real lighting choice to play with. <laughs> just, just stick it out." And so this felt like, you know, the wish coming true. Finally, yeah. getting able to feel like a real real professional in a space with real equipment (laughs) um 
but it was great. It was it was great to have designed the show once before with such a you know minimal system and kind of you know settle on the aesthetic of the show without really necessarily fully realizing it. So this was kind of a chance to see, you know, see on stage a little bit more like it looked in my head (laughs) before we moved into standard toy craft and realized that (laughs) they didn't have a lot of electricity available. Right. And um, what was it like since your boyfriend Sam also designed the sound and the projections for the show, which are amazing? Um, Like, what is that like when you guys both design the same project do you like working together yeah I love working with Sam um we work together at camp a lot usually Mm -hmm. we design a show together at least once a summer and it's great we work we work really well together especially when he's doing he's he's primarily a sound designer Mm -hmm. uh but when he does projections the relationship between a lighting designer and projector right projector ah I can talk projection (laughs) designer Uh um is very delicate because you know I have an idea of how this looks, but oh, that's gonna blow out right. his entire it image. Kind of and... like steps into your territory a little bit. Exactly, and yeah. sometimes we can use that to our advantage and say, um, you know, in the James Reed saga, there's a segment of the play where an actor is walking in place as a projected landscape follows him, and I ended up not lighting him at all because his mm. face is just lit by the projections, and so anything that I put on him just kind of took away from from the work that Sam was doing and right. you know luckily a projector is also a source of light and so we could you know use that to make him visible as well it's good to you know I also enjoy collaborating with people I haven't met before but once you really know someone and know their design process and how they think and right. you know what their vision is it's it's a lot easier to work out those details and I think tech tech week for <laughs> the show was uh, was such chaos because of you know um, nothing ever goes exactly well, as and this planned show is and just so tech heavy it's a huge show and not a lot of time and yeah. so I think um I think being able to work with you know with another designer who I've worked with many times and mm. who I also happen to live with uh <laughs> took a lot of that pressure off and That's... okay at least one part of it that we're not gonna have to worry about yeah that you speak the same language and you, you mm-hmm. know how each other work and how you deal with stress. Yep. <laughs> yep. How does how do you find it works like when one of you is um, has a creative outlet and one of you is in one of those dead times? It's a little tough. Um, when there there are a lot of times when he'll be working on a show and in ten out of twelves for a week and mm-hmm. I um, even when I'm not in one of the, you know, dark times, <laughs> um, if I'm just kind of being an electrician as a day job, I'll you know, leave early in the morning and come back evening time and he lives, leaves me midday and comes back late at night. Right. And so sometimes, you know, you don't we see each go other. by and we feel like we're not seeing each other at all. Yeah. Um, but it's also on, on, you know, the flip side of that and the thing that makes that worth it is that then we can just say, oh, neither of us have anything this week. Let's go somewhere, <laughs> hang out. And, you know, we can make up for for the times when our schedules don't match and you each understand what the other one's going through when they're they're in the crunch time sure and it's you know it's because it's kind of the same thing we're doing different Mm -hmm. media but the same basic idea you know it's I understand exactly what he's doing and why he's doing it and it's I think relationships between designers or any sort of theater artist and a non-theater artist are 
uh, are tricky (laughs) because, you know, you don't necessarily have that understanding, but, you know, I, of course, want to support his work and support him doing it, and, uh, and he feels the same way about my work, and so we, we try to be understanding of each other's schedules. (laughs) I was asking, uh, when Rebecca Hirota was on last week, I was asking her about, you know, like we do these projects that are, well, for the actors, it's the equity showcase mm-hmm. code. I don't know what they call it for the designers, but like, you know, they're passion projects that we're all getting paid a little bit, but not what we would sure. dream of <laughs> if it was like a fully funded theater. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was talking about how hard it is to be basically like working two full-time jobs yeah. at any given time and like splitting your energy between them. Do you find that difficult when you're working on projects with peers who you love and respect, but it's not necessarily the income you would hope for? Sure. Um, yeah, it's it's very difficult. And I, when I'm working on a project like this, try as much as possible to not take any other work and just set aside a chunk of time where I can focus on it entirely. Mm-hmm. So um, for you know this fall, I knew I was going to be very busy the first week of December, and I worked all kinds of extra shifts and took on a little more work than I might normally have had earlier in the fall to make that financially mm-hmm. okay. Um, and again, that's, don't always have control over that and can't, you know, right. jobs aren't it's just It's also so different for trees, but. designers because you have like, for me, you know, the rehearsal process was kind of all spread out and now sure. the performances and you guys just have that. Yeah, our work is very. The prep work and then like the very intense mm-hmm. tech week. <laughs> Yeah. And then you get to kind of back off. Yeah, there's a slow ramp up and then utter utter chaos for a week (laughs) and then then you get to back off and and leave it in your hands. (laughs) But then it's a wonderful result. Um, So what what have you been working on with like the musical theater side of stuff? Do you find that nice to have something that you can like sit in a room by yourself and write and work on something? I do. I love love the balance between the lighting work and writing because... even when I'm not designing, just the the day-to-day kind of electrician work is very physical and up and about and, you know, my excuse for not going to the gym and, and all of that. <laughs> and But it's physically tiring and so yeah. sometimes I just, you know, oh, I'm taking a writing day and I am going to wear my pajamas and stay on my couch and it's lovely and still work. Um, and then eventually that will drive me crazy and I you know, get in my head and need to, <laughs> need to be interacting with other people. Yeah. Um, and so I go back, swing back the other way. Mm-hmm. But Are, yeah, I'm working on, working on two musical projects right now. Um, both with, uh, a composer that I met in grad school. Okay. And I was going to ask, do you, are so do you write them some of the music as well or are you more uh, no, of like I, a I lyricist? Write, or yeah, like, I write book and lyrics okay. and work with composers, uh, mostly one particular composer named Scotty Arnold. Mm-hmm. And we were thesis partners in grad school, and so one of the shows that we're still working on started out as our thesis project there and is um, has changed a lot over the oh, five years uh, since Very we've cool. been working on it. But that, um, that one's sort of uh, certainly not by any means finished, and you know we've never had a production of it, but in terms of having a a solid draft that we feel good about letting other it's people see. It's a long see. process, isn't it? <laughs> it's, <laughs> For it's, plays and musicals. Yeah, it's a little crazy. We learned in school that the, the average development length for a musical from 
you know, conception to a, not necessarily Broadway production, but a, some kind of established production or it being licensed um, can be, you know, eight to ten years. And mm-hmm. so sometimes it feels like, oh, I've been writing this show since 2010. And, right. you know, it's... You don't get to see the result. Right, right. Yeah. We don't have any, like, not many tangible um, yeah accomplishments but it's at the same time sort of I think on track for where it should be and you know trying to keep the the end in mind and and not lose hope yeah. <laughs> well it's good that you have that perspective from the beginning that yeah you know that that's okay and that's yep. normal yep. for most things to take and of course on. it's not a guarantee but you yeah. know knowing that as long as you keep working on it yeah hopefully it'll get there <laughs> And then uh, we started a new project about a year ago, which uh, we we had a hard time matching our schedules up this fall because, again, I was working a little extra earlier in the fall mm-hmm. to make this possible and then totally wrapped up in the tower. Um, but we're, we're setting aside a whole bunch of time in January and February and... Uh, aiming to do a reading of our new show in the end of February. So uh, it'll be nice to, especially after this, you know, very lighting intensive end of the year to, to again, swing back in the other direction and, and be a writer for a little while. That's so great. I love that you have those two different yeah. worlds. So you, hopefully you don't get bored with any of, any of it. I am certainly not bored. <laughs> <laughs> um, what does your family make of your artistic life? I come from a very theater, theater-minded family. My dad is a playwright, and oh, cool. uh, most of my dad's side of the family has been involved in theater, television, or film at some point in their lives. So it was a little bit of an inevitability. <laughs> you know, no, I wasn't, didn't come out of nowhere, and right. I'm going to be an artist, <laughs> and my family freaks out more of a, like, Oh, okay. It got you <laughs> we know too. How hard it is. Yeah. You know, if if it's not too late, you might want to know. Okay, it's too late. <laughs> Go for it. Um, but that's but nice that they understand what you're doing. Absolutely. And uh, my mom was was not involved in theater, but uh, her sister, who I'm very close to, is an actress and lived in the city. And mm-hmm. you know, I kind of worshipped her when I was younger and wanted to move <laughs> to New York and do theater. Uh, and my whole family's been been very supportive. I had the uh, the pleasure of kind of trying to teach my family how to look at shows from a design perspective, because hmm. um, I would invite them to a show I did in college, and they'd say, "Oh, it was great. I don't really know what I'm looking for in lighting and design. I could I could see people, so good job, right?" <laughs> um, <laughs> and you know. It's just a perspective. I, I kind of take for granted that that's the lens through which I see, you know, all, all shows. And even when I'm just going to a show for fun, I kind of pay attention mostly to the lighting. Just, just, you know, my mind's trained that way now. Right. Um, and uh, at this point, you know, my family kind of knows, knows what to look for. And, <laughs> and it's great. They talk about specific moments they like and... Mm-hmm. You know, wonderful. <laughs> um, yeah, it must be so different, also, like for them to look for look for the elements that you're involved in, like something like the tower, where it's so expressive with the lighting and everything. Mm-hmm. And then if it was just like a living room drama, right? They're right. like, oh, yep, I see the living room. Great. <laughs> <laughs> right. Whereas you see all the components that went into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Do you have any siblings? Yep, I have a younger sister. Mm-hmm. Uh, her name's Maya, and she is also in grad school at NYU right now. Uh, she she did a lot of theater growing up. She acted in high school and was considering going to college for that, but mm-hmm. uh, changed paths and is still a big theater lover and theater person at heart, even if she's not. <laughs> what is she in grad school for? Uh, she's in grad school for social work and okay. working with, with kids, which I think is going to be great for her personality and temperament it must be nice to have her in the city it's lovely I, I like she she was just uh living in Seattle with her boyfriend for two years so I didn't get to see her very often and now you know she she came and saw the tower <laughs> how did you, how are you feeling about New York these days are you here for the long haul do you find the artist versus price of living battle to be wearing on you or yeah it's it's something I think about all the time and anytime you know people are jerks on the subway and I'm moving out of the city forever and I grew up in the middle of the woods in Connecticut and a lot of the times I just want to get away from the noise and dirt and chaos um but other times I love it and it really is I think the place to be if you're if you're wanting to work in theater and especially uh almost almost all of my good friends from my grad program stuck around and it's it's great to have that community here and uh, you know with something like writing where you don't necessarily have deadlines or projects Mm. and it's all just you know up to you to decide what and when and how you're going to do it it's great to uh, be part of a community of other people who are also trying to do that and we kind of keep each other in check and um, I'll go see a reading of a show my friend wrote and say, oh, she's writing. That's awesome. I want to be writing too. And I'll, and I'll write it. <laughs> um, so, so that's good. It's, I, I never really thought about whether I wanted to stay in the city. It was just moved here for school right. and then, oh, I'm here now and I'm not in school anymore, but still here. And, um, it just, just kind of happened. Um, but I think, I think I'm here for a while. How have you dealt with, uh, like the term, success or like changing the definition of what success means at any given point especially coming out of like a great grad program like NYU or Mm -hmm. I know sometimes for me coming out of grad school it's easy to get stuck in like oh this is the possibility this is what could happen and of course it does happen to like someone we know here or there where they get out of the fast track sure and um it's hard to like be like okay this is where I am and that's okay too and this is what success is right now, or maybe that isn't that isn't my main goal. I just want to make a living in the theater or something right. like that. It must be at least a little bit easier since your family understands. They're mm-hmm. not like all doctors, and right. like, <laughs> you, what you're doing is not <laughs> the path. <laughs> but have you struggled with that at all? Yeah, um, it's hard to it's hard to measure success. You know, even even people who are you know, professional lighting designers who are working on Broadway, who, like, is that, does that mean you're successful? Mm-hmm. But what if you're not happy with the shows that you've done or the work you do on a certain project? It's just, um, you know, talking about art is always a little abstract, and so what, you know, winning at art is, right. <laughs> is, uh, is sort of just kind of up to, That's why up to everyone award to define. Award shows are always so silly. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is really the best? Yeah. <laughs> when award you're comparing shows, artistic uh, things. Hold, hold, I'm, 
we're we're very upset at the Tony Awards in my house right now as as the girlfriend of a sound designer who you know when you take an entire art form and say oh no you guys I don't really know what you do so it must not be important so no no award for you um I think I one one thing I try to keep in mind as reminding myself that I am being successful is that I am making a living and managing to afford to live in this ridiculously expensive city and working only in theater and that is um yeah yeah I'm I'm (laughs) proud of myself for that and uh you know I don't always love all of the the jobs I'm doing but um but there are enough that I do love and and you know as you said haven't haven't gone the the restaurant job route or you know that's great that kind of thing which is not that there's anything wrong with it but um a lot of a lot of people I know who who come out of the NYU program um you know will get a a day job and you know try to write in the evenings or on the weekends and then it's so hard there's so much going on all the time that it's Mm -hmm. hard to you know to really follow through with that and I think a lot of people kind of even if their intention is to keep writing just kind of Fade, it's fade away into, your into not writing. Dissipated across the city. Yeah, but that was. I don't think I necessarily set that as a goal for myself consciously. But having you know, when I do my taxes every year and say like, oh yeah, look at all these checks yeah. from all these theaters, and that that feels good. That That's feels awesome. like I'm being successful in that sense. Is there something a project you've worked on or something from the last couple of years that you're really proud of that you want to tell me about? Um, sure. I am, I am really proud of the, the show I mentioned that was my thesis show. Um, it's called Mortality Play and it is a punk rock musical set in 1349 London where the plague (laughs) has just broken out. And it's, uh, it's about a guy named Todd who is a teenager and he's in a rock band, but he's also apprenticed to a doctor and trying to help help the world you know with the the immediate problem on hand and uh scotty my writing partner and i went into our final year of grad school when we were going to be writing that project um thinking a lot about ourselves as artists and artists in a larger community and what is our obligation as people who are you know driven to do this kind of thing but uh, but it's not necessarily seen as something, you know, tangible and helpful to the world. And when mm-hmm. there's so much going on that, that, you know, needs attention, how do you justify, you know, sitting right. in a room and writing musical theater songs? <laughs> um, so that the piece very much explores that. And, um, I think as, as our protagonist, you know, discovers and learns why it's important, not just to himself, but to his community and to the world. Um, it's, it plays a nice dual role as being a reminder of why, why we're doing this <laughs> as well. And so every time I get a chance to be working on that project for a while, it, it is kind of a reminder of, of why this is important. And, yeah. you know, when I get stuck in that cycle of, okay, I'm, living in this city because this is where all the theater happens and it's expensive and so I'm doing all this work to live here just to you know right it kind of feels like you're caught in a vicious cycle sometimes and and that show always 
is a reminder to me of, of why that's all worth it and why that's all important for, for me to be doing. Well, please let me know if you guys have like a reading or anything. I'd Absolutely. love to hear it. it. Sounds really cool. Yeah, I do. Are there any like uh, tangible things that you turn to like when you're in a you're having a really dark day? Like uh, books that you go back to that inspire you, or music you always listen to, or a place you go to in the city that you're like, okay, <laughs> everything's <laughs> gonna be all right. Um, hmm. I, you know, I don't think so, really. Which is maybe, maybe I should. Maybe that would help me. <laughs> maybe okay. that would be better. Um, Just curious. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, um, I. Or people that you turn to. Um, yeah. Well, uh, actually, that's that's a great point. My um, my writing partner Scotty and I were um, we were almost not going to be thesis partners because the the way that program works is it's half lyricists and half composers, and in the first year, everyone writes a song with every other person, and oh. so you kind of get a chance to see how you collaborate with mm-hmm. with every different person and what your writing styles are like and whether that works or doesn't work and based on how all that goes you end up paired up with one person for the second year for the whole year writing Mm -hmm. a full-length project and they uh the faculty really advised students against working with their closest friends because you know writing a musical in eight months is hard and yeah China you know it has torn apart friendships sometimes, especially when they're relatively yeah. new friendships. You know, we That's only met last small year. Small group of people, though. True. So you're gonna have close relationships True. with some of them. Um, and we we didn't have final say on who our partners were gonna be. We kind of okay. like, you know, write a little wish list and give it to them, and they go into a room and you know, right. sorting hat, figure it out. <laughs> um, so I was a little nervous when Scotty and I got paired up together. Um, artistically I was excited because I loved his music and I loved what we had written together so far but um, I was a little worried about how it would affect our friendship and it it took us a few years to kind of navigate that and we did have kind of a tough year writing that show and I didn't always see eye to eye and um, and then as we graduated and were kind of thrust out into the big scary world had you know a hard time with that too but um, he's he's become one of my best friends and sometimes we'll have days where we just say okay let's get together we're planning to write I don't I can't today (laughs) I'm not not feeling like I'm able to do that and sometimes we just get together and are friends instead of instead of writers and um and that I think is one of the reasons we work really well together because you know because we can can do that either way so, so yeah, I'll say Scotty. <laughs> thanks, Scotty. Yeah, thanks, Scotty. Um, are there any shows that you've seen recently that you want to recommend? Oh, man, I am going to sound like a broken record. I finally saw Hamilton last weekend Yay. after hearing about <laughs> it okay. for, for months and months. I'll and listen to this record as many times as I have to. Yep, yep. <laughs> I, um, I was a little bit torn about whether I wanted to start listening to it before I saw it. Yeah, and did you? Decide, no, I decided okay. not to, and I'm really glad that... I think that's better. ...that it turned out that way, because I got, you know, got to be fully surprised. But um, 
I was listening to the soundtrack on my way here. I'm going to keep listening to it going back. Um, I've had to put a limit on listening to it late in the day because I'll wake up in the middle of the night with like some catchy <laughs> phrase going through my head over and over and it'll keep me awake. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, before 5 p.m. <laughs> yep. Yeah, no, I, I haven't seen anything else like that ever. It's, it's, it's special. <laughs> it's, um, you know, it feels cool to, to be around. Oh, look around, look around. How lucky we are to be alive right now. It's one of those shows that people are going to be talking about forever, yeah. like a chorus line or something. And it's like, oh, this was during our time, yep. our yeah. time here in the theater. It's a game changer. Yeah. Anything else you want to leave it with? Drop the mic with Hamilton. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there. Right. Go out on a good note. <laughs> well, thank you so much for talking with me. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Compass Podcast. I'm Leah Walsh. More episodes are coming soon. Please look for us on Facebook and iTunes. I'd like to thank the following people for their generosity. The Compass cover art is by Kim Miller. Music by Brendan Spieth. Audio assistance from Nick Choksi. And a special thanks to Frankie J. Alvarez. See you next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.